Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Only Podcast. Uh, National Championship edition, sort of. Um, I'm your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Uh, it is, well, when you're listening to this, it'll be Tuesday, January 8th. And unless something drastic changes, Dave Warner is still employed. And Jim Bowman. And Jim Bowman. All of them. At Michigan State. Actually, everybody. <laughs> They're all currently still employed at Michigan State. Uh, you may have thought we were going to lead with the fact that we're recording this during the national championship game, but uh, thought the the head coaching search, excuse me, uh, offensive coordinator search was a little more pressing uh, for, for this audience in particular. So we wanted to watch offense while we recorded this. So we will be watching the game uh, at the same time. So if there are any bursts or yells... Um, It'll probably be because we're watching offenses do things. Yeah, and and one thing to note, John and I have talked about this. Uh, we're currently watching, as we said all season, as we said, we're, we're currently watching the two good teams. We said all year, everyone's bad. Every single one. Everybody but these two. We got, them, we got all the good teams together in one game. Yeah. Both all of them. Both of them. <laughs> and they're all, here. All two of them. Um, yes, so we... Uh, we're coming to you live during this game, so yes, again, if there are outbursts or anything like that, that's why. So this is good. I mean, we're talking the end of the college football season. We can just kind of end it. But uh, we mentioned who is still employed. A couple pieces of big news before we talk about the coaches. Yes. Further. I know we really went into it last week. Yes. Well, we've we'll, we'll, we got to touch on it again. But some good news. Some good news. And that is uh, probably some of the best news any Michigan State fan could have hoped for here. And that is that uh, linebacker Joe Bocci is returning for his senior year at Michigan State. Now, I may be in the minority here. I never really thought he was going to go. Uh, I think Joe will be a very successful pro. I think he's, I mean, I, I don't see any way that that doesn't translate somehow. Yeah, right. uh, Whether he's a star or not, I mean, that's he's got a position in the NFL at some point in time. Um but yep. very glad to see him coming back. I mean, obvious an obvious key to the defense. And, and without him, you know, I think maybe this goes from a nationally elite unit to just a really good one again yep. next year. But I think he can keep you right up there at the top. I mean, if we're talking like basketball like or even baseball, like win shares. Oh, yeah. He is probably the most, the highest win share on the defense and the team. Yeah, I mean, it, he's, I don't know if they announced the, I don't think they had the football banquet yet. But he will almost undoubtedly be defensive MVP. I mean, just an absolute superstar. Some and his numbers, like among among all time Michigan State linebackers, are already impressive. Like, yeah, it's, it's already kind of crazy. And he's pl- played basically two years. Exactly. Yeah, it'll be. Um, we're in really good shape with him coming back. Um, maybe maybe the banquet. Maybe the coach, they haven't made any coaching decisions yet because, like, they paid for a certain number of meals at the banquet. <laughs> and they're just like, let's get our money's worth here. Yeah, I mean, I don't know when that banquet is. We should actually look that up. But, um, it, you know, one of the things you and I were kind of going back and forth about it. Actually, you know what? We're going to do one more football thing before we get into the coaches. Michigan State also got another uh, commit, football commit recently. And that is um, 6'6 wide receiver Travon Morgan. Uh, out of Ohio. He's a three-star receiver. Um, Exciting prospect. Really one of the better Ohio players left on the board. And now he, if you can believe it, Morgan paired with running back um, Brandon Wright 
gives Michigan State the number one rated wide receiver and running back in the state of Ohio for next year's recruiting class. Wow. So Brandon Wright has really taken a jump recently. Big time. And this is because he basically didn't play last year. Mm-hmm. He, which is odd, right? But he is a, a massive back, and the kid that was starting was um, had had school record numbers. Yeah. Okay. And weirdly, that kid is probably not going to play college football. Yeah, At least he's that, really small. He's a really small kid. This kid, Brandon Wright, basically got buried because of that. And uh, Michigan State guys offered him on spot, on yeah, spec. But he basically told his head coaches that he wanted the other back to get carries so that he could get more offers. I mean, that if that doesn't wow. say future team, at the minimum, future yeah. team captain and a guy you want in your locker room, I don't know what does. So, But that's exciting. I mean, when you think of the entire state of Ohio, one of the most talent-rich grounds for all of, all of collegiate football, right. uh, and a state that's been very, very good to Michigan State in the past, to get the number one wideout and the number one running back, you know, even if it's not the best year in the world for those positions in that state, that says that says a lot. So it's good to see that the positive momentum is keeping up. And one of the cool things about Morgan, it's funny, you you hear about a 6'6 wide receiver, and a lot of the times, you know, guys in high school will kind of grow out of that position. Um, from what I have read in interviews with his coaches, they do not seem to think that's going to be the case with him. And at the very least, they say if it is, he just evolves into an Evan Ingram type of just big receiving, like, you know, mismatch uh, type of guy. So he checks in at 6'6", 215 right now. And that's already pretty decent size if it is, you know, accurate uh, f- for that position. So, um, you know, there there will be snaps to be had at wideout next year. So uh, another interesting name to throw into the mix for sure. Yeah, and, and that's a best case scenario, right? Like, let's say he he comes in and he's too slow. Then you just make him a 6'6 tight end. Right, exactly. Amazing. Yeah, like, whatever. Awesome. Would love to have that. And then uh, as for... Uh, uh, Brandon Wright, who we've been gushing about and will continue to gush about. I think he's kind of our sneaky guy that we think is going to not... So he's the number one running back in Ohio. And um, I guess it might be a down year in Ohio because he's he's like 20th or so in the whole state um, for all, all positions. He's going to rock it up. He's going to oh, rock I'm it sure. up the charts because he's going to have numbers. Like, like disgusting numbers because when he did carry the ball last year, he averaged something over like eight and a half yards per carry. Yeah. It's just disgusting. Yeah. And I think the last time Michigan State, you know, got a really, I think the last really good running back we got out of Ohio was LJ Scott, he, which worked out pretty well. He's good. Um, and we've gotten guys, I mean, like go back in the history books, you talk about Javon Ringer from Ohio, from out of the state of Ohio. Um, been, this is, I, no, Langford's from Michigan. I was going to say the state. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell is from Ohio. He was like, good. It's been a pretty good state to Michigan to, to to MSU and and honestly, you know, we obviously very pro Connor Hayward podcast. Oh here. yeah, man. Um, but no one's taking those touches. No, no one's taking the big boy touches. But they're you know, I wouldn't hate adding another big boy to the bandwagon. To be completely <laughs> honest with you, more girth. Yes, the more the better. Um, so that's the fun stuff. Uh, but I I think. John, we were talking, like we said before the pod, about the fact that uh, at this point, Michigan State's coaching staff remains unchanged. Um, yeah, I you're have. Not, you're a, not happy. I have a concern. I have seen a lot of moving parts around the the country. Mm-hmm. People making decisions left and right um, with teams that had much better units on offense. Um, namely, a highlighted one was Manny Diaz. At Miami, I believe he let go everyone on his offensive staff, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he left Miami, went to Temple, and then went back to Miami when Mark Rick impromptu retired. Great move, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen. All for it. Hey, Temple, thanks. Yeah. (laughs) I'm out. Also, I hope he got like one polo on the way out. Yeah. He's (laughs) He's got a little swag. He's like, I'm not returning this. He's got the nameplate from from, like the press conference, and then that's about it. So, um, I'm just, and then Nard... Nardog Narduzzi, mm-hmm. he let go of a bunch of people. Yeah. I'm just saying, like these, he, there are people that are letting go of staffs that did much better than what we All, did. Literally, if almost anyone made an offensive change, it's coming from a team that was performing better on that side of the ball than Michigan State. So that makes me concerned. Thoughts? Fair thoughts. Um, my, it's a fair concern. My thought is only that I, I'm sort of attributing this to the fact that like. 
nothing seems to make sense right now. Like, I don't know. I also think about the only the only other time Michigan State's made like a big change coordinator wise when it wasn't just straight up losing somebody, yeah. you know, has been, someone took a job, right. Has been um, like when they let go of Dan Roshar. Mm-hmm. Now, if you remember, Dan Roshar was never fired. He just found another job. It's like he, the dog went to the farm. He wasn't, they didn't put him <laughs> oh, down. Uh, they, but he like found another job with new Orleans. Now I think that Martin, what my, Mark D'Antonio is doing is either, Hey, he's, he's hanging on to him, which I personally have been prepared for for a long time. Uh, I hate it, but I've been prepared for it. Um, but the uh, the other side of the coin is like, hey, maybe he's he's just trying to find like give him a week to find something else to let something shake loose to, so that he cannot. He listen. He one of D'Antonio's greatest strengths is the sense of family and like the the true level of dedication he's had and the interpersonal relationships he's had that have made Michigan state into the program that it is mm-hmm. a lot of the time that familiarity has worked very far in MSU's favor. However, it is appears to be a big detriment right now. He's very close to Dave Warner. They're both very like religious, spiritual guys. Don't care. He is not, but you don't, I don't, but he does. And that I think is honestly giving him pause, uh, Right now, and and listen, I, it's not even we haven't even heard rumblings at this point. I mean, if yep. you're on the message board, it's not like you're reading other names. Uh, I mean, you've heard guys from what I've read. I mean, it's looking more and more likely that if a change is made, the only thing I really think is realistic, especially given this weight now, is it's giving credence to my Brad Salem theory, where I think if anything happens, it's Warner either finding another big air quotes here, finding another job, or getting moved to a different position within the offense and Brad Salem taking over that position. Um, a lot of people are calling Mark Staten into question right now as well. Yeah. Um, I th- think that's fair to be honest with you. He's another coach that I think we talked about it a little bit before, but um, deserves some criticism. I mean, Michigan state's offensive line hasn't been really what it was uh, for, for quite some time. And really since Staten took over that coaching position yes he helped develop the allens yes he helped develop jack conklin but he didn't go out and win those battles on the recruiting trail mm-hmm. jack conklin fell into his lap yep uh and i believe jack allen committed to the previous he has two he had brothers right well no jack allen's the eldest oh gotcha, gotcha gotcha he committed to a, a i can't remember the name of the coach off the top of my head but he committed to a previous offensive coordinator and or a, a previous offensive line coach and so you know, it's not like he went out there and won that battle. And the reason the other Allens came is because their brother came. So, yeah. um, you know, and you see it in MSU's, like, the guys they're running out there, they're small. Jordan Reed is small. Yep. Cole Chewins is 280 pounds and looks like he could weigh three, could carry 360. Like, these are not big individuals. And I think you saw it come back to bite MSU time and time again this year. And uh, it's, you know, it's another name that you got to wonder if there's a shakeup coming, if maybe he's... You know, getting moved, but I, you know, part of it is like if they haven't had that football banquet yet, mm-hmm. like he could honestly just be waiting till after that to do something. Like I, I wouldn't put it. I at this point, that's a super nice thing to do. It's a very marked Antonio thing. No, no, whether it's nice or not. No, that's what I mean. Like it's a, it's a prof- maybe a professional thing to do. Yeah, maybe. I Whatever. don't know. I want blood. Wow. <laughs> Okay. I mean, not actual, not really, but like, I wouldn't mind to see a man lose his job. Listen, if you're not good at your job, you shouldn't keep your job. This isn't a football thing. This is a universal Life, truth. Yeah. If you are bad at what you do, you do not, you should not be able to continue to do that thing. <laughs> Especially if you are not only bad, but you get markedly worse for five straight years. You shouldn't be given a, literally a sixth opportunity. <laughs> you shouldn't. Yeah. Fool me once, shame on me. <laughs> How does the saying go? Fool me fool five me, times. Fool me four times. <laughs> oh boy. So, Screw you. <laughs> okay, so All right, anyways, that's football. We'll see what happens here after the banquet, which I believe has to be coming up. I'm sure there will be a bunch of awards, and if Felton Davis doesn't win uh, all of them. All of them, I'm furious uh, on the offensive side. Um, but there is there is hope in Michigan State world, and it's not residing with football. Yes. It's with the men's basketball team, who just 
came off of two really nice wins this past week. Mm-hmm. The first um, at home against Northwestern, an 81-55 to 55 win, which was, you know, I think we expected to win. Let, let me let me jump in real quick. Oh. Turns out the banquet was on November 25th, so we should probably fire Dan Warner now. November before the bowl? Yeah, allegedly. That doesn't even make M- sense. Per MSU Spartans. I don't think that makes sense. Sunday, November 25th at the Kellogg Center. You know what? Fine. Listen, I, we missed that one. We're not always we're not always smart. Hey, man, we don't break the news. Listen, we've, we never, just... we've never claimed to be smart, but we just own up when we're dumb, and we were just dumb right there. V, so, v dumb. Anyways. So nor- the Basketball, though. Way more fun. Okay, so took down Northwestern pretty easily, and I think uh, we were all a little, at least you and I were shocked, that it was so handily. I think we expected to win easily, but yeah. but this was this was over in the early second half. Yeah, it, it wasn't wasn't much of a contest. Um, I think one of the things as a theme throughout both of these games, but I really was what I really came away impressed with against Northwestern, really even more than Ohio State was. I, I thought this week would be, be a big challenge for Michigan State uh, maturity wise, and really to see if they are something different than they've been mm-hmm. uh and the biggest way that they could have the biggest you know muscle they could have flexed to show that was um whether they were going to start dictating pace or not and yep. I, I mean against northwestern yes northwestern a team that plays one of the slowest brands of basketball you'll see and has played other good teams like michigan very yeah. tight playing well, that style mm-hmm. msu just took it right to them well without, yeah without josh langford yeah and and i will this was a matchup nightmare for Northwestern. Yeah, they do a, not have the bad. horses. And if we talked about this, I think last week, if Vic Law doesn't have twenty five, it's a wrap. Yeah, when yeah, you're it's, playing it's a ball game. So, um, and credit to Michigan State held him to five points. I think he scored the first five points of the game for them. And I was like, here we go. Yeah, but they came out firing. Yeah, too. and then he, and then they just kind of fell apart. They don't have anyone outside of he and Pardon, who I was. Um, I was impressed with he he hung with Ward. Ward got the better of him, but I was impressed it, with him. It just boils down to a talent thing. Yeah, absolutely. Like he's a perfectly passable center. Yeah, when he's surrounded I mean. when he's surrounded with good players. You're going to get a like you saw two years ago when they yeah. went to the tournament. Exactly. Went to the tournament. He was he played his role. He's a he's role good. player. This team just doesn't have. Yeah. The, I mean, they just don't have the the guards to really do it. Actually, one thing that came up that. I thought was really interesting, and it's going to be something to keep an eye on, was that at the very beginning of the game, I thought I was impressed with Northwestern's game plan, and that was with, uh, they had their point guard, um, who was a bigger guy, I think he was a Boston College, the Boston College transfer, Turner, mm-hmm. uh, posted Cassius Winston up. On the first possession and a, second possession. A couple possession. of times. Yep. And, um, they completely went away from it. It's going to be a really interesting, that, that is something that I don't think, I certainly hadn't seen anybody else to and hadn't really thought about it yeah um why they stopped was shocking to me because i think he got in foul trouble the point guard yeah he got like two early fouls don't then have your back up to it right what's i mean i I mean i would keep going and so we'll keep an eye on that to see if anyone else picks up on that because that is a very difficult position to put any point guard in well especially a point guard with who already struggles defensively and catches and is not the biggest strongest or fastest guy um and honestly, who at this point it's it's, and we've been saying we've I've, we've been begging for this for two and a half years now, and really this year more than any other, it's it's happened. Um, this is Cassius's team, yes. and as teams watch more and more of Michigan State, they're going to try to attack him and get him in foul trouble and get him out of the ball game. Yes, uh, and this is a way not to tip their hand, but this is a way that teams can do that, like pretty. Mm-hmm. effectively and I, I won't be surprised at all to see teams especially teams with bigger point guards i think back to kansas i think about a guy like quentin grimes uh you know if, if michigan state's facing point guards of that size soon you know again i know there's some uh in the remaining of the part of the big 10 um that are comfortable down in the block and getting physical i won't be surprised to see this tactic come up again very quickly yeah and to, and to that point um we noticed some some interesting officiating in these past two games yes you know going from sometimes these referees just can't help themselves but michigan state we this team will always do better when it's a brawl no fouls of course right and so that needs to be the consistency because as soon as we get ticky tack 
we have the depth. That's not the issue, but that's the style of basketball we want to be playing here because the moment Cassius Winston gets two fouls in the first 10 minutes, things fall apart for us. Yeah, it certainly gets interesting. Um, you know, I do think that we've seen some more improved and more consistent play out of Foster Lawyer mm-hmm. of late, even if he's not really showing up on the scorecard. Like, yeah, at the end of the day, and we said this coming into this season, he's just a massive key for Michigan State because he is at least a competent offensive player who's just going to keep things going. I think one of the things we've seen this year more than any other, well, certainly more than last year, was the ball's not sticking anywhere. Right. And I think even with Tum Tum just because he couldn't shoot, the ball would stick with him because everybody else is getting... Even if he wanted to move it. Right, exactly. <laughs> and a lot of times he did and he couldn't because everybody else was getting you know, uh, face guarded and there's an extra man floating out there playing center field and he couldn't do anything about it. This year, just with the motion and... Like at least lawyer is a threat to shoot, right? And he's a pretty decent. He's a good shooter. So it's it, I think his playing has been really important, and his his presence has been really impressive. I think Matt McQuaid is a passable. Uh, I I really think that Matt McQuaid can play emergency point guard fine, uh, and he's only able to do that because of how much depth Michigan State has at the wings. They don't really suffer at any other position when he has to come up and be a part of that. Uh, you know, point guard rotation. So here's here's why um, it's that emergency role is because Cassius is such a good shooter that you almost have to run plays for him, right? And so McQuaid is put. They f- will switch from time to time yeah. because you just can't have Foster and Cassius on the same court on the court no, at the same time. Can't. It's it's just too big of a risk. So they'll flip for possessions. The issue, if you're a smart defensive team, is if McQuaid's bringing the ball off the court up the court. They're running a play for Cassius, right? It's <laughs> true. And so you can yeah. key on that. So you kind of almost have to use him as a decoy. Well, you're running a play for Cassius, but the other thing you got to be cognizant of is they could also just dump it into the post. Which is what you need, almost need to do, right? right. But uh, the, the team is sharing the ball against Northwestern. They had 28 assists. They continue to lead the nation in assists, which is incredible because I think it was even last year's team was leading the, the country in assists as well. I mean, I am so impressed. And the reason is because Cassius Winston. I mean, he is one of the best point guards in the country. Um, And you'll see when they take on Purdue, uh, two of the best point guards in the country going at each other, much like we saw two of the best post guys go at each other in the Ohio State game. Yeah. I mean, that was – I said this uh, on that day, and the more and more I think about it, the more true it it gets to me – I think that this win over North over Ohio State, which we'll dive into here, uh, was the best, most impressive win to me, individual win that Michigan State has had since the Denzel Valentine team beat Maryland. Wow, uh, three years ago. In the last two years, plenty of wins. Oh, last yeah. year they won thirty games, beat some great teams. Yeah, uh, you know North Carolina and the PK eighty. You know, won some other early preseason stuff. But, um, you know, even be good teams in the Big Ten. But uh, this, to me, just said so much about this team. I mean, listen, this is this in a vacuum on the road at a top 15 rival with your second best player, second mm-hmm. leading scorer at the very least, 40-plus um, percent three-point shooter guy who was a huge key to your offense, out. Vocal uh, leader. What's that? Vocal leader. The vocal leader of this team, which is amazing. Uh, that being down that and going on the road against a hungry team that in a place where last year with a significantly more talented team, you got your asses whooped. So, yeah, like, you're right. That situation, it's so easy. If they crumble in this game, mm-hmm. you don't freak out. You don't say, oh, man, this you know this season's you over. You say this they team. have our number. Yeah, or you just say, listen, you, you – you pick yourself up and go get them next time. And for the first half, it was kind of back and forth. But for this team to answer in big moments down the stretch and do it on the backs of their two best players yep. and have a guy like Kyle Aron step up again and make big plays in the clutch. Kenny Goins, who had an overall pretty bad day. Offensively. Offensively. Uh, turns the ball over, makes a really stupid turnover, and then gets a steal at the end. Like, Everybody stepped up. I thought Aaron Henry had his best game of the season in clutch moments. Very aggressive. Yeah, very aggressive and yelling. 
Which was a phrase which I will. No, it wasn't re- him. Will well, doesn't matter. Xavier. Xavier. Yeah. I will repeat it whilst playing uh, pickup soon. Don't let um, uh, Mitch Album here and oh, say that. Yeah. Uh, gosh, I hate to hear it. I, uh, Mitch. Mitch, not an angry old man at all. Um, yeah. So just this win to me did more like to convince me that this team is for real than any win last year did and especially the year before when they just weren't all that good you're you know i'm, I'm gonna agree with you in that things looked really like man just it just isn't our night when when uh when wesson hits that three yep the end of the first half and you're like wow if he's this 30 percent three-point shooter is gonna step <laughs> back on nick ward and hit a three maybe it's just not our day yeah we didn't have langford and you're already thinking like well what now and and to have the mental fortitude and we all know now know that Izzo challenged Winston and said, you know, this is your team. It's your time. If we're going to win, it's because of you. And the reason is you are exponentially better offensive player than their point guard is defensively. Mm-hmm. So you had one assist at halftime. You need to take over right now. That's what great players do. And he did. And, and especially when, like you mentioned last year, it all fell apart on Michigan State. Yeah. It was beginning to do that in this game and they just said no yeah. with a, with with like you said a more talented team last year they didn't have the the mental fortitude to do that they did this year so um that was really impressive and makes me think like we saw in the kansas game no matter how far down yep a team gets no matter how high the odds are this team is not afraid yeah and it you know what shake. that's so exciting because you look at i mean first of all just to, to your winston point ends up with 25 points in this game. Only five assists, obviously well off his pace, but that's four in the second half. Mm-hmm. You know, that's not so bad. Yeah. Made some big plays and big moments. Um, it is really just, uh, it to me, is just a superstar in every sense of the world. I think he has, he's owning a team as much as any player has in a really, really long time. And I, I mean, I would say even more so than the Denzel... The, I said this, I can't remember if I said it on the podcast, but it was so funny. I said this during the Northwestern game. I'm pretty sure I just texted it to somebody in some group chat or something. And then, of course, it was written in an article the next day. Yeah. I said it to you. You did. I said that this team just reminds me of a better version of that Denzel senior year team that, you know, lost that unfortunate game, but that was so prolific offensively. Yeah. Uh, But the difference here is that, the best player on this team, while he's not going to win National Player of the Year, uh, is still in the very, very, very much in the race for Big Ten Player of the Year, and is such a perfect fit for as a point guard for his team in this moment. Yeah, and this team has legitimate depth. I mean, that that's one of the things that I marvel at. There is nobody on this team. I think the difference between this team and teams past, including last year, is there's nobody that gets on the floor. Where you're like, just don't be a huge net negative. Yeah. You know, you are you don't have panic moments. Like, listen, as much as I love what Colby Wollman did, Colby Wollman falls in that bucket. Tum Tum falls in that bucket. Mike Keebler falls in that bucket. Austin Thornton. Like, these there's the names no, go on yeah, and on and on. There's no hold your breath and hope minutes. Exactly. I mean, there's really not. If if there's anybody that's like that, I mean, I guess it's Gabe Brown. But right. I've seen enough and, out of him to get and excited. Fo- and I think still and Foster. Foster, Foster is probably the closest thing, even more so than Gabe Bubba, excuse me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, like... Even so, we're really nitpicking. You're we talking are. about the ninth and tenth guys in your rotation. Absolutely, you know we're in we're in great shape, and you almost needed these past two years of, you know, I say bumps. We had a thirty win season and right. a Big Ten championship regular season. You need that so that it can become Cassius's team this yeah. year. And we said that before the season started that if this team was going to make strides, a couple things had to happen. It needed to be Cassius's team, and Nick Ward needed to buy in. Yep. Well, here well, we are. I mean, well, here we are, right? And you're seeing a team um, who has not reached its ceiling yet. No, which is the crazy part. Which is great. Yeah. It still has a lot of room to grow. We see them still turn the ball over too much. Mm-hmm. You see this team still not quite know its rotation quite yet. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of not negatives. It's just a lot of room to grow, right? And that's great. So, um, feeling feeling really good going yeah. into the Big Ten season. And you're you're talking about a team that has room to grow. And that team just scored 50 points in the second half on the road 
after being scoring's, down seven. Scoring's and, not the issue for this team. No. And honestly, I don't I don't think that defensively the issue the issues defensively are becoming twofold. Mm-hmm. First is gonna be those point guards. We knew that all year. Mm-hmm. We knew that all year. Um but the other interesting one to me is is centers. Uh big centers especially. This one doesn't surprise me as much right. either. Udoka Azubuki who is now out for the rest of the year for Kansas. That's uh, a huge which blow. Which is a very big deal. We'll talk about that um, later. Losing him for the year and then having, between him and Caleb Wesson, you know, those are two big body centers. Multi, I mean, obviously very different skill sets, but um, those two guys have given Nick Ward and Xavier Tillman trouble uh, at the five. And I think moving forward, the good news, there's just not a lot of guys out there like that. Exactly. There's just not. Um, but if you do run into them, one of them happens to play another one, excuse me, I should say, happens to play in the Big Ten, and that is uh, Ethan Happ. We'll get to him. So, we'll, yeah, well, we've, we've, we've dealt with him in the yeah. past. Um, but it's, those two positions to me are the ones to worry about. Guard-wise, I think MSU's got enough wing depth and yeah, solid defensive absolutely. players to be just fine. But it, I gotta say, I'm, I'm enjoying this season so much more and than last year already. I hope, and I hope you, the listener, are too, because it's just so much, there's so much less pressure, it feels like, right? We've talked about that yeah. so many times. Like, the, we all expected this team to be really good. I mean, like, yeah. I, I, yeah. I expected this team to be a vintage Izzo good team. And they're, to this point, I don't want to say outperforming, because I expected this team, again, to be really good, but they're performing to the upper part of where I thought they would get to. Yeah, they had a dumb loss at Louisville, um, which we'll get to maybe why in a little bit. Um, but And, and then um, kind of fell on their face to start against Kansas. Beyond that, really strong performances across I mean, they, the they've, board. They've won every other game. But they answer the moment in tough but places. Look, and looked strong, looked competent. Mm-hmm. It didn't limp any type of any part of the way. Yeah. Let's talk about the defense really quickly. Um they got burned for four backdoor cuts in the first half, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that's just inexcusable, especially especially against a team that does not jump shoot very well, like Ohio State. It's, it was That was hard to watch, and it looks like that it, for the most part, got cleaned up in the, um, in the second half. But a uh, little confusion, and that's the little stuff where you're like, that's not a normal Michigan State defense yeah. where you don't usually see those easy errors like that. And, and you don't even know... Is it because there's too many rotations? You know, mm-hmm. or what, they don't trust each other yet. It's we'll see. And also, as we talked to Wesson, had uh, I think the most points we've given up to one player all season with 25. But we'll give you give it a little bit because Ward mentioned this is uh, this is one of two guys that he played this year and probably for the rest of the season that weighs more than him. Yeah, those did. are the only two guys. Yeah. So when you weigh more than Nick Ward. <laughs> you're a big dude. And that's and that's okay. I mean, like, not a lot of people have stopped those two guys this year. No. So, no. like, it's not as if this is a, a, a Michigan State I mean, issue. Yeah, you're talking about Wesson at this point looks like a first-team All-Big Ten type performer, and Azubuki could be first-team All-American if he was healthy. If he was healthy. Year. So, yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. And I think the interesting part, you touched on it. Well, we want to get to a, a new segment here. Mm-hmm. It's called Hot Take. Really hot. Ba-doom, ba-doom, ba-doom. Um, that's our new segment sound. I liked it. Um, and, and the question is... It, so these aren't our hot take no. necessarily. This is what we've been seeing on the message board, seeing on yeah, the Twitter. Hot take on the street. If you guys have better names for this segment, please just tell us. Um, and that is, is this team better without Josh Lankford? Not, the the, the yeah. answer is no. Not even no. It's absolutely not. Hell no. Which, two, two takeaways here. One, obvious answer is no, but that should really excite you yeah like that should really excite you like michigan state just scored 167 points in two games without the guy that averages 16 a game yeah and like i here's the only thing i'll say the only thing i'll say to give this a little bit of credence because i kind of get where it's coming from in a certain way Mm -hmm. a josh langford does turn the ball over more than anybody else Eliminating that to a degree has been kind of nice. And also, this team does run really well when he's not 
in the game. I mean, they really push. I don't think he limits that. Mm-hmm. That's the flip side of it. It's like, yes, they're doing things really well. Yes, they're looking athletic. Yes, they're not turning the ball over as much. But A, turnovers is something you can grow out of. B, Josh Langford's probably his best asset is the stop, is like the transition stop and pop three, mm-hmm. which he hits at like 40%. Yeah. So I don't want to hear that they're running better necessarily when you're your team is not offensively going to get better when you take a 40 percent three-point shooter out of the game right and i also think he has made marked market strides defensively this year and while he may not be as good as mcquade i don't think there's a discernible difference between him and kyle arns at this point yeah i agree and um He's also been playing for three years. So those backdoor cuts, those things that you're seeing get by a guy like Kyle Arns, by a guy like Aaron Henry, mm-hmm. that stuff's probably not happening or at least not happening four times to Josh Langford. Yeah, and, and I'll just kind of – I think we'll see this play out as the year progresses and why that is not true is because the reason Michigan State came back and beat Ohio State was because the point guard and the best player played maybe the best game of his season. Best half of his season. Certainly one of them. Okay. And the reason he was able to do that is because they had a average to negative defender point guard on him. They mm-hmm. couldn't get stay in front of him. And credit Cassius because not a lot of people can. Okay. But it's, there was no Aaron Kraft out there guarding him. Okay. There's, yeah. so, so let's start there. If there is an average to plus defender out there on, their, on our point guard, this is an entirely different game. And Josh Langford can create his own jump shot that I know people hate, but guess, but guess what? <laughs> but he's really good at it. But he's really good at it. And people only seem to remember the misses, but the dude is average shooting over, as you mentioned, 40% from three and like 55% from two. And his, his efficiency field goal is like 55%. Like it's, he's a great shooter and, and everyone seems to only remember the misses and they take for granted his makes. Right. And he's able to, to take, those shots off the dribble that I don't know if we can necessarily expect a sh- someone like Matt McQuaid to do. Yeah, absolutely. He creates his offense better than anybody on the team aside from Cassius and maybe Nick. And so then let's, let's think about um, Nick Ward. He was in a one-to-one battle, right? Mm-hmm. They, they canceled each other out. Cassius won the game because he was the better point guard. Now imagine you had an equal point guard there. We have a whole new set of issues there and we have our third best player, not playing. If he's playing, I feel a lot more confident in that game. Yeah, absolutely. So I just, I think it's great that we're getting run for more run for Kyle Arns and Matt McQuaid and Gabe Brown and Aaron Henry. That's awesome. That's fantastic. It's good. It's in, in, in environments like that too. You can't replicate that stuff, especially for young players and guys like Kyle Arns, who frankly hasn't played that much in his career. It, it, it's, absolutely. But this team is not better if Josh Lankford doesn't play because I will go out on a limb. Here's a hot take for the hot take segment. Ooh. Josh Langford will win a tournament game for this team this year. Let's go. He will. Woo. And you know, and we're all, everyone's going to be so sad and mad that, you know, he, he makes some mistakes and we'll blame him for a loss. I'm sure mm-hmm. at some point uh, as well. I was going to say, we might win a game in spite of him at some point as well. And it probably will happen, but the team is not worse because of no, it. It's ridiculous to insinuate that. I get it. I think people shouldn't be saying, is this team better without him? I think people should just be enjoying the fact that they're not terrible without him. There you go. That's just, I mean, that's just the yeah, way I look at it. That's good. All right, so. Um, Looking at the week coming up. Week coming up, we have uh, a Purdue team that is much better than their 9-5 and five record coming into the Breslin Center uh, Tuesday at on ESPN2, national game. Um, there you're going to see, as I alluded to before, Carson Edwards, uh, Player of the Year candidates, and not only for the Big Ten, but for the the country. Yeah. Um, but but he is kind of a one man band this year. Ryan Klein was a role player last year that has really stepped up for them, and then Matt Harms, who we talked about on the basketball preview pod, has really not taken the jump from freshman to soft freshman to sophomore year, which was maybe unfair of all of us to to expect, just because they've had such good uh, post players in the past. Y- yes. Yeah. Yes. And yes. And no. I don't think putting those expectations on him is unfair, but he certainly hasn't met whatever people did expect from him. And so that's their team coming in. They they have guys, 
if Carson Edwards doesn't have 25, which is, I think, what he averages. He's averages 25 and a half. Okay, if he's not doing that, they 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 lose. And they have, even though he's, he's scored that and more in the past. They just, like you said, I think it's... It's just, especially compared to the two Purdue teams we've seen the last two, Mm -hmm. really good teams, Mm -hmm. really good teams, Um, Big Ten champions. Uh, There's no Caleb Swanigan in the front court. There's no Isaac Haas. There's no, oh God, who is that? Uh, Dakota Mathias Mm -hmm. who's stroking. Like, they don't really. AJ Hammonds. AJ Hammonds. But yeah, I mean, the list goes on. This just isn't a particularly talented. at least in the front court. In the front court. I mean, even really oh, in the back court. I mean, it's just it's just Zero. not it's not a vintage Purdue team. They have two guys that average double figures, like you said. It's Carson Edwards and Ryan Klein. Those guys combined for almost forty of the seventy nine points that they score as a team. Now, outside of those two, you can tell just by the minute breakdown, it has been let's throw everything at the wall and hope something sticks. They have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight guys who have played in at least twelve games, uh, and that's not. Great. Uh, and they're not. Nine, get- nine of those are averaging at least thirteen, almost fourteen minutes a game. None of them averaging more than eight points uh, or five rebounds a game. It's it's just been a big mishmash. You can tell that Matt Painter is is trying. Everything. Everything. He doesn't have any particularly great shooters outside Edwards and Klein. Not any great rebounders. Mm-hmm. It's it's been uh, it's been a struggle for them so far. I do well. You know, I'll, I'll let you do it. You know, you know who I'm kind of shocked hasn't shown up for them because I know you love them. Mm-hmm. The freshman Trevion Williams, who Michigan. I am surprised too because Michigan State was really pushing for him. Yeah, and um, I know you were hot for him, and he he just has he he's been. Not great. He doesn't even play for them. It's so funny. I've been watching. I watched him play in one game, and he absolutely stood out to me. It, it was against a nobody, but yeah. like he. So here's the thing. At this point, if you're Purdue, mm-hmm. why not? Hey, man. I think they're going to get to that point probably after this game. I think that's the when you go if they don't beat Michigan State, which would be a, a huge win for them and yeah. unexpected that's when you have to you're point of the season we're halfway through the season now yeah i mean they don't have a lot of time left you, here you got to do some new things right and and maybe takes chance on the youth movement um but but you know a home game i it's interesting um as far as the schedule goes this will be the second game that michigan state has played where the team we're playing had a quote buy mm-hmm. beforehand when i say buy i mean only one game in the, that week so that's interesting um you know ohio state didn't had six or seven days to prepare same with purdue here um which will i mean it can only help them at this point right uh now when it comes down to sort of the prediction for this game like i, I mean i'm pretty confident carson edwards is going to get his yeah in this one i do i did read that um tom Izzo said they're going to start out with Matt McQuaid uh, on Carson Edwards. I was, I was think I didn't read that, but that makes so much sense. You think you have to, you have yeah, to almost you hide. Have, you don't have a choice. You, well, I mean, it's not that you don't have a choice. It's just, it, it is the absolute right decision uh-huh. in this case. When he is your only true offensive threat mm-hmm. as a guard. Yeah. Let's not have our net negative no defender point. chase yeah, him around. There's just no point. Like put him there, put one, you know, the wings on Klein and then, you know, make, I guess it's really Nogel Eastern is probably yeah. the other guard, and he's not a he literally has not made a three pointer this year, so I feel fairly comfortable with Cassius checking him. Yeah. It, it's again, it's not an overly talented team. Michigan State gets him at home. Sure, Purdue has you know, uh, like you said, more or less a bye week, uh, but I'm I, I think Michigan State should win this one. Uh, Josh Langford not playing, I still think they should kind of run away with this one. Yeah, they they're. This they are better than their nine and five record, but this is not as good of a Purdue team um, that we've seen in the past. I think the things that they do best is they're actually pretty good offensively, um, 
and, and they actually shoot the ball pretty well as a team and they don't turn it over to that much. Um, and then, you know, but defensively, they are one of the worst in uh, defending the three, mm-hmm. which is going to be a huge issue that's uh, when you're playing a team like Michigan State, who's yeah, actually struggled bad. a little bit in the last two games from the three-point standpoint. Michigan State was one of the best teams in the country before last week, dropped off a bit in the past uh, two games. Um, hoping that gets uh, righted here moving forward. And then uh, the next game after that, we'll jump to at Penn State. Um, that's... This is a, I think, a prime showcase game on CBS, if I'm not mistaken. Is it? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Um, Penn State, uh, always a day late and a dollar short, I think. Yeah, they just, you know what? And I've, I've lamented Penn State in the past on this podcast. And always said I thought they were close. Um, and I swear to God, if what's his name? The the guard, the forward, what, the kid who almost won Big Ten Player of the Year last year. Oh, Tony Carr? Yeah, Tony Carr. If he doesn't go pro... This is a decent Big Ten team. Of course. As it stands, it's not. Um, Lamar Stevens, their big forward, is having a heck of a year and really doing a lot of heavy lifting here. He's averaging 19 points, eight rebounds, two assists, half a steal, half a block uh, this season. He, he is a grown man with a phenomenal mustache. Oh, yeah. If you haven't seen him. Um, he does a lot of the heavy lifting. He's going to be a tough matchup for MSU. I, I think he's going to give... Now, he's not, you know, a jump shooter. He's not a three-point shooter at all. He's shooting 17% from three. So, if he wants to shoot, he can. Not great, Bob. We'll let him. But um, not much of a shooter. Uh, he's he's going to do a lot of his damage down low. And, and I think he's going to – he's just a big athlete. I think he's going to give uh, Nick Ward a tough time. I'll be interested to see how they cover him. I kind of feel like Xavier Tillman will draw that assignment. I won't be surprised at all to see them, him and Ward play together a lot when Steven's on the floor. Uh, Rasir Bolton, another player who's doing pretty well for them, averaging 13, a little a, over two rebounds and a little under two he's assists. He's a freshman, and this one was really a shock to me because he was not even their uh, most heralded freshman recruit. Yeah. That would go to, I think, Miles Dredd, who we talked about on the pod. And first of all, amazing name, Miles oh Dredd. Oh, my God, just a top ten name. Yeah, uh, but Rasir, uh, scoring scoring guard, point guard, this will be another challenge. Cassius Winston will have to chase him around. Um, this is a league that has plenty of good point guard play. Yeah, um, no shortage. And and we're fortunate to have maybe one of the best ones. Well, Carson Edwards may be the best one right now. I think he is. Um, but 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 I mean, just certainly making a case. Cassius is certainly making a case for a Big Ten Player of the Year. Um, and that'll we'll keep an eye on that race. Um, I wanted to to point out a couple things. We've been talking about um, hot seats. And Pat Chambers, I think, quelled it a little bit by winning the NIT championship last year. Yeah. Now, certainly not like a crowning achievement, but that but does help. State. It does help, right? But here's the issue. Right now, as of today, Pat Chambers is 38 and 92 in the Big Ten. That's bad. That is a 29.2 winning percentage. That's, I mean, at what point do you say, this isn't working, man. I mean, this is his eighth season. How many seasons do you give a guy who has never made the NCAA tournament? And they'll have another losing season this year. Yeah. I mean, they're seven and eight right now. They're not going to have a winning season. Yeah. I'm sorry. So. Don't apologize to me. I'm, I just, I, I'm never in, I never, you don't want to wish ill on anybody. You know, earlier in this podcast, I You're was You're just like, wondering how long it could possibly last it's just i don't know what the what is the end goal here you know like what (laughs) but is this is this one of those cases of a self-aware program it's not no that's not i mean a self-aware program is one that has gets comfortable with being just okay this is not a just okay program this is just bad they're very bad never been good i mean the highest they've ever placed under pat chambers in the big 10 was tied for sixth it's not good Nine and nine. He's never had a winning record. What do you in the think the the P, like legitimately? Where do you think Penn State could get to as a program? I think if you can make the tournament once every three years, I think it's like Iowa in basketball. They're not they're not kidding themselves. Like <laughs> Iowa is such a great like barometer, man. Just a barometer for both sports. You're like, Always. do you want to be perfectly average? Yeah, do yeah. this. Absolutely. Yeah. And they can be thrilled about, you know, winning one tournament game every three years or four years. 
They are not. That Penn State is so not there. They are. They're bad. They get to hang out. They're with, just bad. They they're hang bad. out with Rutgers in Illinois at the kitty table lately. Ooh. It's true. Oh no! Come on. They won the. They they won twenty six games a couple years ago. Be proud. I'm just saying that's better than friggin' Rutgers. They finished the year what twenty and thirteen. It's, that's decent. Okay. It's better than if you're gonna. You can't compare them to Rutgers. Whatever. We're not getting into a Penn State Rutgers debate here. I refuse. Okay. So. Uh, I think what you can expect out of this game, after all the bashing I just did on Penn State, I I think this may be interesting because Josh Lankford may be coming back this game. Yeah, and we're going to be. You think so? Do you think, maybe they don't push it? But it's, well, let's see. Let, let's look. I would actually. We should do this. We should do a little prediction here. It's so the game's on Sunday, so mm-hmm. it's six days away. Okay. Um, it one of the reasons I would, I I think to consider it is because. Kyle Arns, I believe this past practice, did tweak his ankle mm-hmm. in practice. Yep. So now you're even thinner mm-hmm. at that position. Do, yeah. you, do you rush him back? Uh, you know, I, what do you do? I kind of just don't. Okay. Uh, to, to me, at this point, um, you shouldn't need... I think you, you wait you till... Don't, the... You don't need... It's not worth bringing back a even a ninety percent Josh Langford right. against Penn State. Like okay. this is a game that Michigan State should win with just Cassius and Nick. Which is why I would almost say, do you ease him in in the second half or something in a game uh, like this where you don't need his minutes? Maybe, but I, I also don't, don't. I don't. I don't rush it, especially because after that, their next game is on Thursday. So if you yep. don't play him, if you don't play him from, mm-hmm. let's see, he, yeah. his last gets, game was against Northern Illinois. Yeah, right. Yeah, he gets so he would have had since Saturday, December 29th until January 17th. It's almost, I mean, that's I think, three weeks. That's a long. Or, I think he played in the Northwestern game and he? they pulled him because he was like one for six or something like that. Might be wrong. But I thought he played, did he? Well, hold on. Let's look. All right, doing some statistical analysis here. Uh, no, he didn't play against them. Okay, might be. So he's been around for. Um, He's been out for almost three weeks. I personally would just give him the time. I don't think these games are necessarily worth it yeah. to bring him back for. But if these are games, Michigan State, I don't think is going to be losing those games. Now, uh, I would think that the earliest you see him back is next Thursday against uh, on the road against Nebraska. Yeah, big game. And if you don't see him there, big game. I think you see him there because Nebraska is like a March, actually a fairly talented team. They've been ranked a couple times this year. I think if you don't see him there, you will almost certainly see him at home against Maryland on sure. the 21st. I'd be shocked. That's two weeks from recording this. I'd be – and Izzo said after the North, Northern Illinois game, I think he said it would be two weeks, and it's already you know, kind of close to that. So I, I will be surprised if it's uh, anything later than, than Maryland at the very latest. And the, frankly, the next three games are all very winnable for Michigan State. So, so, so no reason to rush them. So do you have a prediction for the Purdue and Penn State games coming up? Yeah, I mean, I think Michigan State wins them both. Um, I, if we're going to want to get fun and make other predictions, I'll say that I think, uh, I bet Carson Edwards goes for 28. Mm-hmm. And I won't be surprised if he is the only player to score more than 12. I think he's just going to eat. Like he's yeah. just going to eat the whole time. And, okay. And that's going to be that. And then Penn state, uh, I think Lamar Stevens has like three or four blocks. Oh, okay. I think he cleans out ward a couple times and then, and then fouls out. Uh, makes sense. Yeah. I will go with as if we're going to make testy predictions. Yeah. Um, Michigan state has a closer game with Penn state than Purdue. Ooh. And here's why. Izzo, I think Michigan State in general has slowly created this, like, not rivalry with Purdue because to have a rivalry, it has to be mutually respectful. I I don't think Michigan State respects Purdue. And um, I don't think Izzo cares for Painter. And I I just don't think – I think there's this, like, need to, like, continue to put them in their place of sorts. I think they keep trying to punch up and they can't quite hang. And I think this is an opportunity that Michigan State puts uh, maybe steps on their throat. And then I don't want to say overlooks Penn State, but it's just not even close to the emotional level that they will be at because you got Breslin Center, students back. Yeah. First home, uh, I think first home Big Ten game where students are here. The last Probably. one was, well, Iowa. 
and beat the hell out of them. Yeah. I think this is the, the students are going to get crazy for this one. I think Michigan State runs away oddly with this one, and the, the Penn State game is actually closer. Yeah, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me, road as opposed to home. Uh, and, you know, Penn State, Penn State's going to do some things that challenge Michigan State, I think, more than more than Purdue really is. Um, yeah, so I, would, I wouldn't be shocked. I like that prediction. All right. So quick news and notes. Keon Brooks, who we've talked about in the past, is one of the top players in the country who hasn't signed yet in the 2019 class. He, as of today, just named Michigan State one of his three finalists. It's Michigan State, North Carolina, Indiana. Um, I don't think anyone truly thinks Michigan State is the leader here. Certainly, I think the Indiana odds-on favorite is Indiana. Yeah, Indiana appears, and they have been forever, I right. think. Which, hey, we've seen with MSU before does not always mean that the player is going to end up there. We've right. seen that a thousand times sure. with MSU, in fact. So, uh, hey, listen, to be in this far in the running with the five star is always exciting. Uh, if you're looking to get your hopes up, I might, I might caution you against that. But again, to be in the in the race here is is a good thing. So, um, moving on to, we're going to do non MSU Big Ten games of the week, and then we're going to talk about national games of the week. So, we're going to keep track of all the games through the year. We're going to find a couple must-watches or things that you should probably pay attention to. All the rest, just trust that um, I'll I'll probably watch it, do it and uh, I'll bite the bullet for everybody. But this week, a couple big games. Obviously, Michigan State-Purdue game on Tuesday is, is must-watch. But non-MSU edition on Friday, uh, Indiana travels to Maryland. And I think those are the two outside – and I think we both think – Michigan State and Michigan are front runners. Oh, I don't even think it's us. I think it's pretty obvious to anybody who's watched head and shoulders. Yeah, and it's a good Big Ten. Yeah, I no, mean, it really is. Like, ten, I, I think it's eight to ten teams. Ten, deep. Austin. Ten teams as of this week. Ten teams are ranked in the top thirty-two in the country according to the human voters. Yeah, it is, that's crazy. It is a damn good conference this year, and I still I agree with you. Actually, today uh, marked the first time ever. That Michigan and Michigan State were both in the top six of the eight people. Oh wow! Yeah, so was, yeah, wow, which is insane. So, so Maryland, Indiana. I think there is a very clear second tier, and they're all fighting for position here. Yeah. Um, but that that game will be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think that next tier is probably Indiana, Maryland, Wisconsin, and Ohio State. Yep. And so I mean, those are six. I mean, and then those are ne- six teams that you can but, see winning a game or two in the tournament. But then you say, where's Nebraska? Right, I mean, maybe Nebraska creeps in there. Right, I don't know. I could, could I was five or six. you know like I was there. It, there's a lot on the board, and and that's even discrediting Purdue, who has the best player in the conference. Right, so a lot of great games. Yeah, um, to I would keep agree track with you, though. I think Maryland, Maryland, and Indiana right now, those two teams are sitting at three and one right now, third and fourth in the conference respectively. Uh, Wisconsin also there at three and one. Mm-hmm. You know, a head-to-head matchup against another team that's looking like a real contender is a big one for Indiana. I mean, this is your chance to go on the road and, and score a big win and, and shut some that's, people up. That's tough. That's a huge ask because it not is. only are road games – if you win a road game in the Big Ten this year, just just get out of Dodge. I mean, <laughs> it is the best-case scenario. It's going to be so hard to win on the road, even at, even at State College, which has no environment. Just winning your road games are going to be of utmost importance. If you lose a home game this year – yeah. I mean, that is devastating so, like, to the race. What do you think? Like, I mean, could the Big Ten, how many losses realistically do you think the Big Ten champion ends up having? Probably four. Four to five. I would say f- the winner has four. I think, I mean, I'm not going to get way ahead. I think we talked about this. The Michigan at Michigan State game to end the year will determine who gets a banner. Yeah. It, it, it very, very, very well might. The, determine the, the winner of the Big Ten. And they played two times in the last four games of the year. Yep. That is huge. But there are a lot of games to go ahead of that to even put yourself in that position, which yes. is why this home game against Purdue is so important. You cannot lose home games. You just nope, can't. And just not. like we're talking about here, Maryland cannot lose at home on a Friday night. Nope. You just have to win your weekend games, too, because you have the environment. Ready? They're all – everyone got a, gets a chance to get a little saucy. Before the the game. Absolutely. Um, So some national games. We had talked about uh, the Kansas injury, or Azubuki's injury at Kansas being 
huge because I think they've won the Big 12 how many years in a row? 14 years yeah, in a row? Yeah, something insane like that. So they lost uh, to Iowa State this past weekend. Yep. And all of a sudden, couple that. And losing to Hilton is no big deal. That happens. Right. Everyone. That's right. They lose at Hilton. That happens. But you couple that with your, well, maybe your your best big for sure player getting out for the season, and all of a sudden that Big Twelve door, everyone smells blood. Yeah, it's interesting, and I, and I think uh, this week there's a couple of good. We'll talk about a couple of good Big Twelve games that I think there's really one big challenger to Texas Tech, and that's or excuse me, damn it, I blew it. To, to Kansas and that's Texas Tech. They are head and shoulders the best defensive team in the entire country, like by far. And that's the type of team that, you know, listen, they made a decent run in the tournament last year. They had a top 15 pick in Zaire Smith. Like, mm-hmm. this is a good a good little program Tubby's thrown together down there in Lubbock. So they play incredible defense. Yes. Wait, is I don't think that's Tubby Smith that's it's not. No. Damn it. Tubby. No, he's, T, he's TCU now? I don't think that either. No, I'm just making stuff up um, now. No, Texas Tech has one of the best defensive uh, teams in the country. They hung with Duke. They couldn't, I don't not a lot of people can hang with no. Duke, um, but they're definitely in probably the second tier of nationally of basketball. Chris Beard is who you're thinking oh, of here. He damn. used to be the coach at Little Rock when they won like 30 oh, games back to back. Yes, I remember that. Okay, so um, that'll be a great one. And then uh, if you didn't, TCU is the other team that is um, playing at Kansas. If Kansas drops another one early, man. I don't know what to do with myself. Yeah, I mean, I mean there's just things you get comfortable with in life, like. Kansas basketball winning, being amazing. Kansas football being awful. Like yeah. you just are comfortable with those things, you know. I need yeah. those things in my life. Pillars. You had another game though this weekend. You had an eye on. Yeah, the other one. I mean, it's it's far from a hot take here, but um, number one Duke travels to number thirteen Florida State on Saturday. Now first road game, and that's exactly why I'm interested in this. I think Duke could potentially go absolutely wipe the floor with Florida State. But um, Florida State did get absolutely waxed by a good Virginia team just last week. However, this is Duke's first true road game. Again, Florida State, another program that has put good teams together recently. Deep teams with a lot of athleticism. And I don't think this Florida State team, I haven't watched a whole lot of them, but they don't appear to be too much different. Um, And listen, you're not going to do a whole lot more, you know, you're not going to be much more athletic than than Duke, but I think Florida State can at least kind of hold their own. They've played pretty well at home over the last few years, and uh, it, it'll just be interesting to see how Duke responds to a true road environment. You know, they've played a lot of neutral site games, uh, did lose to Gonzaga, neutral site in Maui. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but first true road game, I think it'll say a lot about the maturity of this team. If they go out and blow the doors off Florida State, yeah, I mean, it's looking tough for the rest of the country, but no kidding. You know, it's it's very possible that they uh they scuffle. So, I got one more game to think about. Off the radar. Mm. Not probably going to be on a lot of people's must-watch list, but I would encourage you to do so. Gonzaga travels to San Francisco. Mm. Beautiful San Francisco. Yeah. And the reason I bring this up, San Francisco is 14 and 2. They've beaten Stanford Cal, um, and they just took out uh, always, always good uh, St. Mary's. We know yep. they're always good. The fighting delis. <laughs> the delis, absolutely. And the Sandman, if you remember him. Oh, uh, Omar. Yeah. San Francisco, decent team. Um, but the reason I bring it up is because, again, true road game for Gonzaga, right? And this is incredible to me. If you want a pair of tickets to this game, and the gym holds 5,300 people. The lowest price right now on the internet is $270 for a pair. I mean, that is like final four level. Yeah, that's pricing. crazy. I mean, I've never I've never heard of such a thing. I've never heard of a regular season basketball game even come close to that type of price. Yeah, I don't get it either. What did you say to me? Did you say to me? Oh, yourself? yeah. I said it said basically like that's like the $180 like the, or whatever. The 270 price. That's like the price of Chipotle in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, it's like $8. The, People are like, oh, okay. Standard, I can either take the bus or go to a San Francisco game. Standard standard of living is a little different there. Yes. Um, but I will be – it's a late night game. So if you're craving something, it'll, um, it's a late one on the West Coast. And the last thing we're going to add to the pod is – 
the segment called Things You Hate to See. Mm. Just hate you to hate, see you it. You hate to see it. It's tough. Yeah. You got it this week. Yeah. And this one, uh, you know, I, I just, I just, I just hated to see it. Uh, Wisconsin losing at home to Minnesota. First time in eight years. You know, it's tough. when you think about Wisconsin basketball, you think about home court advantage. Mm. You, you just talked about it, you know, losing home games in the Big Ten this year is it's a bit of a death sentence. And, you, you know, you just hate to see a Wisconsin Ugh. team that's, you know, bouncing back from a bad year. Damn. Uh, you know, throw away a game to a Minnesota team that yeah, just might not be that good. I mean, they, well, yeah. you just, you know, yeah, ultimately, what else can you say? It's tough. tough I, to... ah, you hate to see it. Another one, a bonus hate to see it I got for you. <laughs> okay. Ohio State taking Greg Madison from oh, Michigan. Yeah, you'd just hate to see it. Shame, really. Mm, it's a shame. <laughs> it's too bad. When you think about it, see, I've got a Venn diagram here. Uh-huh. Things you hate to see, mm-hmm. that's the whole thing. That's all 100%. Verb- verbal meme. Man, that's tough. Yeah. Too bad for you Harbaugh and you know what? You know what you'd really hate to see? What's you'd that? really hate to see Don Brown go to Temple. Oh, you'd hate to see Take it. the wind out of my sails. Uh, I, don't, I don't know how I'd bounce back. Man, that would, would just, I bounce that'd back? be tough. We might uh, shut down the pod. Yeah, this might be it. Um, all right. All right. Anyways, that, that was, was fun. a fun bit of trolling. Um, all right, guys. Uh, that's it. Yeah, couple I don't, big, I don't, I don't know what else I was going to say. Couple big games this week. Um, yes. Enjoy. Looking forward to ideally two very winnable games. Yes. Um, but anything can happen in this conference. It yep. is deep. It's a fun team to watch. So enjoy it either way. Um, all right, guys, that's all for us today. Uh, for John Kirby, this has been Austin Smith and we will catch you guys next week. See ya. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical.